Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Kim. And this is The Department, a podcast about trends, taste, brands, and products. Welcome to episode two of our normalization series. If you haven't listened to the first episode, I recommend just going back because you'll get like a platform of really what we're talking about and a little more context and then, you know, bounce back to this one. Hey, Amanda. So, uh, you know, fall is upon us and I was just <laughs> kind of curious what your fall look is going to be. And there's a part two to this. Uh-huh. Is there anything that you're in the market for to complete your look? Oh my God. Okay. So first off, there is something that I'm in the market for. And I'm going to start with that because maybe one of these Mm -hmm. listeners will have the ticket. So as you know, but our listeners may not know, I'm moving to the country, specifically out to Lancaster County, uh, to Amish country, to a very- Homesteading. Yeah. Like literally living in a farmhouse (laughs) in a town called Bird in Hand. Wait, wait, wait. Did you did you say Burning Man? No, Bird in Hand. Like Wait, a- serious? Yeah. <laughs> that is a great name. It's I cannot t- wait to write you a postcard. <laughs> I mean, I can't wait for you to come out and visit us because you're going to lose your mind. Oh anyway, so oh as God. part of my new homestead lifestyle, I'm really in the market for one of those patchwork quilted jackets that has mm. the sort of layout of like a, you know, a quilt, right? Like a patchwork quilt. I think it's going to be really great. I'm picturing myself. I'm out side, um, raking leaves because there's a lot of trees and, you know, I'm wearing that over like a really nice prairie dress, maybe with like a a cool breeze. Yeah. Yeah. But like a crisp, a crisp breeze. And I'm wearing that and, uh, my Clark's Wallabies, which I recently ordered from Poshmark. And, you know, I'm like nice and cozy. The problem is I haven't seen any good ones. I tried my hardest to dig through Etsy. And I mean, you know how that is, right? So if anyone out there has a hot tip, get at me. I'm really serious about this. So what, what is this? Is this, so this would be like, like Holly hobby quilt core. Yeah. What's the aesthetic? I let's, let's call it quilt core because it's not exactly Mm -hmm. prairie core, right? Like I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm living in Amish country, you know? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) You know, it's like it's the land of like simple layering and bonnets. I probably won't wear a bonnet, but uh, definitely will be wearing a big hat and just being sort of practical, but also like, you know, the Amish women, despite ha- like, you know, wearing these like very plain clothes are very feminine. And that's kind of in line with how I dress. Like I'm a real girly dresser. So, you know, I'm probably not going to start wearing slacks or anything anytime soon. <laughs> Right. So you so you have like a farm core, prairie core, Amish core, quilt core aesthetic going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it makes sense, right? Oh, oh, no, no, no. Absolutely. This is why I was kind of excited to talk to you about it and hear what you kind of wanted wanted to do with this new look. You know, I have been hearing um, that horse girl the horse girl look aesthetic is kind of coming back as well. And you have that barn. So I really think that you could kind of get into a horse girl look as well. We, 
we saw this guy who we thought was Amish coming out of the convenience store. There's like, there's a convenience store about, I don't know, a couple miles down the road from us. You get in the car, you drift down the hill, you're basically there. And across the street from the gas station slash convenience store is the hitching post for the horse and buggies. Cause like, as I've told you, every business out there has a hitching post somewhere, whether it's Walmart, a restaurant, the gas station, whatever. So we saw him walk across the road with a sheets bag. Sheets is the name of the convenience store. And I was like, well, what are the Amish people buying at sheets? And Dustin was like, maybe that guy's not Amish. Maybe he's just cool. And it began this like fantasy of Dustin starting to just cruise around in a horse and buggy. Oh, (laughs) I I think there's a learning curve. Yeah. And all that horse maintenance. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so anyway, so what is your plan? Because, you know, it's not going to really be that much colder in L.A. for fall. No. no. But I mean, it does. It gets into like the 40s and 50s. And, you know, you get so used to the the warm weather here that the second it like drops below 60 degrees, you know, you're buying coats and you're buying no, sweaters and you're just like really bundled up, even though it's not Arctic at all. I mean, yeah. I, was, I, re- I remember when I worked for Oak and we would sell so many coats in LA and I could not figure out why. I was like, <laughs> why are people buying coats? But, and now but then I live you live here, there. Like, yeah. yeah. I moved to LA in October and it was like, very hot in comparison to how cold it had been in Portland before I moved. And I would go into stores and see sweaters and scarves and gloves on the front table. And I would be like, what a waste. Who would wear these? And like six months later, I'm like, oh my God, I think I'm getting hypothermia. It's so cold here. Totally. Well, so my, um, you know, we're still really kind of stuck at home and we're going to be stuck at home for quite some time. So I'm going for a comfort core. (laughs) Um, you know, and I don't have a ton of, of like super comfort, you know, like winter stuff, um, or like cool weather stuff. I saw the, um, the tides, you know, from, from the summer when, when we were sold out of all that comfort stuff. So I actually went on and I went to Patagonia because I am starting <laughs> to slowly just is really crazy them. to me. I mean, yes, they're a great company, but you are the last person I expected mm-hmm. to be up in Patagonia. I know. <laughs> I am I am Patagonia because the only time I really go outside is to go for a walk. So it's not like I'm going to go and buy like, I don't know, like a helmet laying sweater to go take a walk. So I want something that I can, you know, take a walk mm-hmm, around mm-hmm. and also be able to kind of be cozy at home that is high performance mm-hmm. and will last for mm-hmm. a while. Um, and also really goes to a good cause. So um, I, I'm also recommending that if you do want anything from like Patagonia or pretty much anyone that's 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 doing something really good, um, and it's any sweatshirts, anything like that, buy it mm-hmm. now. Literally buy it now because you do not know when the supply chain is going to break. Um, true. And you're not going to have access true. to anything. So it's like 90 degrees here and I have um, two Patagonia fleeces <laughs> <laughs> and they're both like vintage, they're like vintage ones, you know, like they're based on their retro style. Yeah. So they got the look, you know, I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm working out how to wear them. Um, <laughs> I do have a lot of nice kind of designer clothes and I don't want to wear them out just sitting in a chair in my apartment. So I'd rather be wearing something that's just kind of made you know, made to last and made to be warm and made to be comfortable. 100%. So that's kind of, that's, that's my deal. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah. 
Well, I'm glad we we yeah. now know. So when we're recording, I can picture what you're wearing. And <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it's, it's it's just something that you would never imagine. No, it, it, like my hair has grown out. I'm wearing a fleece. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> like, I am not ready for this world in which we are we are reunited in person. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like sporty. <laughs> I'm so sporty. And I, you know, I've been actually listening to different podcasts, like men's podcasts, because I just want a different perspective and I kind of wanted to get away from women's stuff. <laughs> and a lot of the, I know it sounds, it's, I just like, you, sometimes you just get bored. Yeah. And you get sick and I'm just, no, I just totally. I've been listening to like these like men's fashion podcasts and they're kind of like, these, it's these guys that are either in California or in New York and all of them have like retreated to the country, like literally ran away from the city and they're all kind of getting into the outdoor core style and all they are talking about is PFG. Do you know what that is? No. Wait. It is performance fishing gear. Oh my! Stop. Listen. No, if it's you start be wearing PFG, so popular for spring summer. Oh, I'm not wearing that crap. No, no way. But you're like, I bet you anything. Come this summer or spring summer, because all of the designers and all the tastemakers and all the editors have run away to like Hudson, mm-hmm. and all they're doing is wearing mm-hmm. PFG and fleece and tie dye. Like everyone is gonna look like like the dude or something and um it's gonna be a really really funny pretty funny spring wow i know i i'm wondering when things will swim swing back the other way and suddenly it'll get like all weird american psycho preppy yeah yeah absolutely all like really uncomfortable slim fitting suits (laughs) and like a really skinny tie listen yeah like i'll your pole normalized banks for men exactly <laughs> exactly well, gonna come out of quarantine like like five, 50 pounds heavier wearing their pfg and, <laughs> and so bizarre and so, yeah it'll definitely spring, but you know we'll, we'll see what happens i can't wait you know what i'm worried about is that mm littering is getting normalized right now <laughs> oh really? I well i mean you do live in philly that's true i do but i've been reading all these articles about people finding all of these like surgical masks washing up <gasps> oh my god they're stuff. everywhere they're everywhere like i'm not really sure where we You're were right. like hey it's totally not okay to litter but it's totally fine to litter masks yeah isn't that weird it's totally right those disposable masks are all over the ground. Yeah, and I see them. You know, I went to the real doctor a couple weeks ago and she was wearing one and I was it was like triggering where yeah. I was like, oh God, bleh. A dirty mask on the ground. Like someone needs to start an Instagram account that's just dirty masks. Oh. Submit. There'd be so, so much content. I know, so much content. <laughs> um, before the pandemic, I remember that plogging was really popular, particularly in like Scandinavia. Have you ever heard of that? No, what's plogging? Jogging and, and you pick up litter while you do it. And it's this amazing like fitness pastime. But I think <laughs> now people are, are kind of, you know, they want to stay right away from like other people's dirty used stuff. So uh-huh. it's, it's kind of gone away. But hopefully one of these days it'll come back and it'll just be a bunch of face masks. <laughs> I saw some really good litter today and I regret that I didn't take a picture of it, but it might be there tomorrow. And it was a black paper plate with the Chanel logo on it. Whoa, where was that even from? 
I know, right? I mean, well, that's Chanel. Just Chanel favorably. I do have a friend that has an Instagram account. It's kind of one of my favorite Instagram accounts. Her name is Kate. It's all just found food garbage. Just like <laughs> like a half-eaten sandwich. That's good. It's amazing. It's such a good Instagram account. My favorite abandoned food garbage that I ever saw was uh, it was in like a rural town in Washington. They had like a river walk area, you know, where you yeah. just like, walk around by the river. And that's, that's the area for the parents to go or, or we take your parents when they're in town. Totally, totally. And there was like a fence, you know, it was like a fence mm-hmm. along the walkway. And sitting on the fence was a huge like like four layer birthday cake that was Whoa. that was approximately like a quarter eat, eaten and there was just a plastic fork <laughs> like what's the story i what? need to know what is the story of the cake i, I mean, know i mean you remember the story of our cake but <laughs> the clown one. cake yeah let's just say there was vomiting involved um i have one last thing about food garbage i just wanted to say oh, okay, which is okay. that the other day we went out for coffee and we passed the best assortment of garbage i've ever seen it was two empty bags from uh sour patch kids and an empty bottle of diarrhea medicine <laughs> ammonium wow i was not <laughs> anyway. expecting that I know you weren't either. I couldn't stop laughing. I didn't take a picture. I was like, this is too gross. But anyway, we're not here to talk about garbage today. Although maybe we should start a podcast about garbage. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, No problem. (laughs) This is part two of our normalization episode, as we said. And today we're going to talk about women and then we're going to talk about men. There we go. So there's something for everyone today. So I wanted to talk about the idea of normalizing normal women body types. Like, what does that even mean? But, you know, it's, I mean, it's a lot. So I'm not going to go too deeply into it because that could be a whole podcast in itself. I'm actually very excited about this one. I haven't, I'm not exactly sure what you're going to get into, but uh, it's this, this is, you know, relevant and I I love, I love talking about it. So and jump in anytime you have something to say, because I think sure. we all have a lot of feelings here. So I feel like this is an issue that every time I think it's taking a step forward, it takes like two steps back, right? Yeah. It's just like for every one person who is like, yes, all women's bodies are beautiful. There are five trolls who are like, shut the fuck up, fatty. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the incels are just sitting around and. Oh, I just hate it. I just hate it. Okay. So first I want to talk about influencers. All right. I know there's a lot you could say there. So there are plenty of great influencers doing good work here. And when it comes to like women's bodies and normalizing all women's bodies and body positivity, I mean, it's great. They're just like, Hey, this is my real body and you should like get over it. One of my favorites there is definitely Katie Storino who she owns that company, Mega Babe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's out that, of Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. And all of their, all the Mega Babe stuff is great, by the way. Um, it is. I, I use it. Yeah, it's great. She does something that I really love, where she will go somewhere. I mean, now she orders stuff online, but and try stuff on that in the biggest size it comes in. I would say she's probably like a size 16 maybe mm-hmm. maybe an 18 I feel like she's she's spoken about it before and she's also really tall and so she'll f- try on the biggest size that this brand offers and be like make my size you know she recently did it with yeah. Revolve she's done it with and other stories I mean you name a brand wait will she try on try it on and just be like this is the largest size you have and I barely fit into it or, or what 
Yeah, like, well, she can't even get it on in a lot of cases. I love that. I think that that is so phenomenal. And so she calls out a lot of brands. Like, she'll go to Zara and put on their, like, biggest size, and she can't even get her head through the hole. And these clothes are so ridiculous. Or, like, put on a dress and not even be able to close it. I mean, it's really fascinating. And she also does this other thing called supersize the look. And Mm -hmm. so she'll take a look that some celebrity has worn and then wear her version of it. And I love that. And she's really careful to point out that this is not about who wore it better mm-hmm. because like studies have shown like whenever they, you know, they have that who wore it better, I think in people magazine, whoever's the skinniest and whitest always wins the vote. I mean, it, it's gross. So she's not doing that. She's just saying like, Hey, we can all be stylish yeah. um, at any size. And she, let me tell you, she gets trolled i mean it's it's upsetting it's upsetting because she's really rad and doing a lot of really great work here and her story is that you know she uh was married before um ironically she was married to the fat jew really who is like is like a sociopath i guess or something i hate Mm. to diagnose someone on the air but like he's not a great (laughs) dude let's just say that and so like they were like up on the scene, you know, she was super thin, like basically starving herself and she was miserable. She got divorced, put on weight and has never been happier. And I just think that's really cool. And she got remarried last year. I mean, she's just really fucking cool. And Mm -hmm. she's an influencer, so she's not perfect, but she's doing a lot there to like hold brands accountable and show that there's style for people of all sizes. Right. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of the influencer coin are these influencers who are photoshopping themselves from like a size six to an eight to a size zero or two in every single photo they post. Weird. Okay. And they use weird video apps that stretch them out to look thinner in videos, like for stories. Oh my God. And then also like makes them look taller, but it gives them weird, terrible cone heads. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to send you one account that I follow, and I'll tell you why I follow this this account. I was just reading an article actually today about the influencer, like people that are influencers, but like their aspirational style is so repulsive and repugnant to some people <laughs> that it like it it like does the actual opposite of influence. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, that's amazing. Yeah, I think that was. I think that article is like. Uh, the cut. I think the cut did it. And I think it was like maybe a year or two ago. And I was just like, this is fantastic. Yeah. Okay, I love that. See. Okay. So I sent you two accounts. One's called we photoshopped what to, and one's called we over what. And both of these actually primarily, but not completely cover one specific influencer. And I'll get to her in a second, but basically tons of influencers are doing this. And you know, it's like, I mean, I'm going to tell you, it's terrible for just about every woman who is viewing that content. It is. And to be honest, I think it's bad for men too because then they're like, oh, this is what's attractive, right? Yeah. So as I said, tons of influencers are doing this, but I'm excited to see that there's growing momentum for Instagram accounts that identify and call Mm -hmm. out these Photoshop nightmares. Like I just sent you some. These are amazing, by the way. And it's like, it's hilarious, but it's also sad because often these images are so poorly photoshopped that when a professional points it out to you, it's like comical. You can't unsee it. So there's like weird stretching to look thinner, which will give people like humongous feet, like feet that are twice the length of their normal feet because they're stretching themselves out. So if you see uh, an influencer has like a really huge foot, like yeah. the length of like their arm, that's a sign that they're stretching. 
They'll also, some of these accounts will like find Getty images of the same event and like find the picture of the influencer and post that next to their Photoshopped post. And it's kind of crazy. You know what? I mean, I've actually been seeing some different um, accounts and it's, it's these women that, you know, you know, had a baby or lost a lot of weight and they'll have like a lot of like excess skin and they talk about it and they show it. And the just ink excitement of the community for seeing this, these people just amass such a huge following because people really want to identify and look up to and like, and, and see themselves in influencers. And I don't want to see this crap totally. anymore. You know, like I, I think it's, it's terrible. Yeah. I, th- I think there definitely is a bit of a momentum and a change. And these ones are just, you know, this is just kind of like the starting point. I think so too. I think that we're going to start de-normalizing this mm-hmm. activity and normalizing being yourself. And I think that these influencers are going to pay the price. So one of the most egregious of these Photoshopping influencers, and I mean literally yeah. every single thing she posts and all of her stories, is Danielle Bernstein of We Were What. I mean, and it is so bad. So both of those accounts uh-huh. I sent you relate to her. I would say she is a size six or eight. She has a great body naturally. But she photoshops herself to be, like, smaller than a size zero. Yeah. And she denies it, but, like, there's such a huge discrepancy in how she looks in real life versus this big chain of evidence. Like, these accounts I sent you where, like, people can point out all the problems with the Photoshop. Like, her bleeding into the background or all <laughs> the lines behind her being warped because she's been stretched and her waist has been narrowed. And, like, the huge yeah, foot. The, uh, the, 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 cone, the cone head. <laughs> And once again, I just want to say she's like a size six or an eight. Now she could be a size 18, a size 48. And this also would be just egregious and wrong. I mean, and also, you know, like American sizing, you know, six and eight, it's just, it doesn't even mean anything. It has changed so much over the years. It is just called novelty sizing. And it just, it, it literally means nothing. It means nothing. Yeah, a size six right now was probably about a size 12, maybe in the seventies. Right, because people were smaller back then yeah. too. You know, yeah, they were, people were, they were shorter, they were narrower, etc. So, I find it super upsetting with her for multiple reasons. I mean, one is she has two point five million followers oh. on Instagram, so all these young girls are seeing this this body that doesn't even exist and mm-hmm. couldn't exist in nature. And she has her own line of clothing as well. So, and by the way, I've seen it in real life at market. The quality is not good. It's way overpriced for what it is. And it's definitely fast fashion. But there's a lot of outrage because to buy her clothing line, uh, if you need to return something, you have to pay a pretty large restocking fee. And she lies about her size. So she, she'll say, oh, I'm a, I'm a size small or something and or I'm a size yeah she'll say I'm a size small people will look at this photo of a woman who appears to be a size double zero and be like oh my god if she's a size small well then I sh- I'm probably a large right and then they get the large and yeah. it's humongous because they're actually a size small and she's just photoshopping herself all crazy so <laughs> so it's she's also just like implanting these super skinny images into everyone's brains and I mean, she's basically saying to the world, like, you should be ashamed if you're a size six or an eight. Like, you're just so big. And I, yeah. I hate it. And a size six and eight is just like, yeah. that's actually, that's like small for yeah. average. What is average? Is 12? 14. A size 14, 12 or is it yeah. 14? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, like fourteen is an average size. People. I know, and come and on. In addition to all this weird stretching and photoshopping, she also does weird photoshopping to give herself these really pronounced uh, shoulder blades, and she oh, photoshops God. in weird abs and stuff like that. Like it's just all she always cuts her legs in half in terms of width, so she looks like a weird spider. I mean, it's it doesn't even look good, and when someone starts to point it out to you, it's like embarrassing, but it's also really sad. But more importantly. Listen, no matter what you think of influencers, they have a really they're they have a big public platform and this kind of behavior is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. You know, because her followers mm-hmm. see this and then they're trying to starve themselves down to be as tiny as, as her, which she's not. Uh yeah. anyway, those accounts that I sent you are like they're hilarious. Yeah. Like it's so ridiculous. <laughs> um, when someone starts pointing it out to you, then you can see it and then you realize she photoshops every photo to like half her size. So, meanwhile, let's turn to some influencers that are doing a good thing for women's bodies. The Kardashians. I mean, they, for all, they all do. the damage that they do, this, they actually do have some, some good brands and they have kind of built out, a, you know, a slightly more voluptuous shape as a normal body. I mean, it is definitely unaccessible because it is like, like implants, like butt implants and like, it's definitely unachievable, but at least, you know, having like a bottom is <laughs> acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. So first there's Chloe Kardashian who has the brand Good American and they offer everything from jeans to swim to going out dresses up to size 24. And basically they're like, if we sell it, it comes in all sizes or we don't sell it at all. I love that. And I like it because it's, like, sexy and trendy, but it's not, like, cheesy, you know? Right. As a buyer, I've, like, my past few jobs, I've really been focused on trying to buy things in all sizes and have as much available. And when I would go to market and try to look for the larger sizes, the options were terrible. I mean, just Mm -hmm. terrible. Like, either really, like, trashy and kind of slutty or too mature. like Or, like, Gwynny Bee. Remember the Gwynny Bee? Yeah, Remember exactly. that Halloween costume one? Yes, oh my god. Yes. So this it's is embarrassing. This is yeah. like really, if you're young, especially like younger, you go out, like the this is the place to buy stuff. Uh it's it feels a little fast fashion-y mm-hmm. to me, I'm not gonna lie, because I looked at a lot of the fabrics. They're not great. Mm-hmm. The aesthetic is very trend focused. But like I said, it's cooler than almost anything else out there. What what is the price point? It wasn't bad. I feel like it was a little high for what it was. You're paying for Kardashian-ness, but also... Is it like a dress for $120 or something? Yeah, that sounds about right. Here, wait. I'm going to open it right now because I don't want to be wrong. So they use models of all shapes and sizes mm-hmm. and colors, which I really appreciate. Do you know if they re- do retouching or anything? I think they do. Okay. Everybody is incredibly beautiful. Okay. It looks like the dresses are about, you know, 100 to 250 kind of depending on what it is. And, you know... I I like I like what they're doing here. It's very Kardashian. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they really support this like curvier body of all sizes. So even their fit is going to be a little bit different than other retailers. Like they, you know, they give the stuff a bigger butt and a smaller waist. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they're going after. And they also have a lot of information to help customers nail the fit. And I really appreciate that too. Because you and I have talked about that in the past. Like a mm-hmm. lot of sites really lose their way there where they aren't clear. Yeah. So on to another Kardashian, we have Kim's line, Skims. The branding is fantastic. 
It's a fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. I've bought stuff from Skims. Mm-hmm. The unboxing is great too. Mm-hmm. So it's a line of like intimates, basics, and loungewear. I feel like every month they're building the collection and adding more stuff on. And so they're, I mean, one thing they're known for is size inclusivity up to size 4X. But they also, what they did that was kind of groundbreaking, and I feel like everybody's trying to copy now, is they did nudes in a wide variety of skin tones. Not just standard white people beige, Mm -hmm. which is not actually the color of white people anyway. It's Yeah, it's like no color. Yeah, it's so bizarre. it's, it's It's like old lady panties. So, you know, when I was a teenager, my mom told me, I can't decide if she was trying to set me up for a life of failure or she really believed this because she like came of age in the 70s. But she told me that men think that nude underwear are the sexiest thing. (gasps) Where did she get that? Oh, my God. One of her boyfriends. Definitely. Oh, my God. Uh. And I've asked almost every man I've been involved with since then how they feel about beige. And they've all been like, uh, no, gross. So... (laughs) <laughs> anyway, just if you have if anyone out there has any strong feelings about nude underwear that are positive, please reach out to me. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. So I will say, Kim, nailing the branding here, mm-hmm. nailing the diversity and the use of models and the size inclusivity. But I bought from them and I wasn't super blown away by the quality of the fabric. I do like the bodysuit that I bought a lot. It's great for layering under sheer things, but I'm very careful when I care for it because I don't feel very optimistic Mm -hmm. about the fabric. I think it's going to pill if I'm not super careful. So it's like that seamless fabric. You know what I'm talking about? It gets pilly. It does. It's, it's, yeah, it's all kind of like poly. It's like a poly, like stretch blend, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the shapewear is kind of like not that as shape. I, I honestly, I expected it was going to be a lot more hardcore than it was. They're making it look cooler. They're making shapewear actually look oh, yeah. not, not non-matronly. Totally, totally. I mean, they're doing good work there. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Universal Standard is another brand I wanted to talk about. It's a, it's a super groundbreaker here because they make everything in their line, every single thing, from a size double zero to a size 40. Wow. It's founded by two women who wanted to level set the shopping field for women of all sizes. Uh, their story is that they would go shopping together and neither of them could ever find clothes in the same place because mm-hmm. all the size groups are separated. And they do something really cool. They use a model for just about every size. So you can see what it would look like on your size. Like they, they shoot it in every size. Instead of being like, here's our size two model, and then here's our size 20 model, and you have to try to guess where you land, you can actually see your size. Yeah. They also do something that's really interesting. They redefine the way they do sizing because the average American woman is a size 14. So that for them is size small. And it grades up Mm. and down from there. So it goes down to like a four or a five uh, extra small. Yeah, and then, they're like normalizing the size. Yeah, it's range. really amazing. They're like, this is average. That's awesome. It makes way more sense. I mean, and like you were saying, size means nothing anyway. Yeah, it means nothing. And wait, were, were you saying was it about um, Universal Standard or was it about Good American that they have demanded in any sort of a department store that they need to be all on the same level, all sizes? They can't be separated. Uh, Universal Standard definitely has done that. Uh, we bought from them at my last awesome. job, and they said you must use our sizing. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool too. I thought that was really, really cool too. And they were like, you need to buy every single size. Yeah. Uh, Like, so, you know, when I was talking about Katie Storino, she posted Mm -hmm. about Revolve today. She bought a road dress in the biggest size they had it on. 
the site, which was size eight. The biggest size that they carry in Rode on the Revolve site is eight. Mm. She pointed out that Rode actually goes as high as mm-hmm. 14. So Revolve is not even making the decision to buy those larger yeah. sizes, which once again would still be below the average size of an American woman. And you know what? I actually just read an article today. It came out literally today from this company called Edited, and they do like kind of like um, trend forecasting and things. And they say that less than 20% of conscious products on the market today cater to above average sizes. So oh, yeah. No, for, for ethical, sure. Yeah. Like if you want any sort of sustainable product and you want a size inclusive brand, it doesn't exist. Barely. Like just what we're kind of talking about. So there's a massive, massive potential in that market. There is, there is. I think it's barely touched. I wouldn't say that universal standard is sustainable. No. Definitely not good American or skims. So someone needs to get on that for sure. Mm -hmm. As I've said, like the market out there for plus size women is terrible. It's getting better, but it's it's just not there yet. Why, Why do you think it is? I mean, there's clearly a need for it. In my experience, it's two major causes. The first one is the obvious one you're going to you're gonna guess, mm-hmm. which is fat phobia, right? Like I've definitely worked places where like mm-hmm. that was not on the table at all for discussion. And when it was brought up, it was like, oh, it's just not aspirational. Right. Yes. It's coming from like the VPs and the presence of the companies, not because there's a demand for it. Right. Right. Exactly. And I actually was at Magic like a year ago, last time I went to Magic, and I met with a brand there that I had worked with at ModCloth and I knew they made plus sizes because we at ModCloth mm-hmm. just about anything that we could get in plus sizes we would buy in all sizes right because that's we were going for that as well and to be honest plus size was like the big growth area in the business because women who are over a size 14 they also want to wear clothes and feel good and look good and no one's addressing them right so it was like fueling yeah. our business so I saw this brand and I was like, hey, uh, so do you guys still do plus sizes? And the owner was like, no, we don't do plus sizes. And I was like, oh, weird. We used to buy that stuff at ModCloth. And she said, do people that big even buy clothes? What? And I was like, all right, well, we're never talking to you again. But <laughs> you are. You're like, you just, you just made that comment to the wrong person. Yeah. And. Like- probably you're going to go out of business in the pandemic. So congrats. So anyway, uh, that's one of the reasons, Mm -hmm. right? But the other reason is it's very expensive. So Mm. it's expensive, at least if there's a lot of startup cost associated with that, let's say, because you create the pattern for a size small, and then there are grade rules, which your brand determines that are used to size up. So maybe your brand says between a small and a medium, the bust is an inch bigger, and then it's another inch bigger to get to the large and so on, right? Well, you don't keep grading that into like double XL, three XL, four XL. That doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You actually, for plus, you start over with a new grade off of a different size, depending on how you do it. Right. Cause it just gets like kind of wider, but not like longer. Or it gets, it gets gets like longer, it gets gets longer and wider And like the sleeves get longer and things get crazy. Like it doesn't make any sense. You sort of start (laughs) over when you get to around like an 18 or 20 and then you regrade from there up because otherwise you would end up with these crazy garments because these rules. Yeah. The reality is that these rules don't even make sense anyway. And that's why size is like a construct when it comes to shopping. It is. Uh, 
But when you continue to spread them out into more and more sizes, they just get crazier and more ridiculous. Like when you actually see that play out, you realize how stupid grading is anyway. So for that, you need generally a fit technician who specializes in plus sizes. So you got to hire another person to do that. You're going to need a fit model who is a plus size fit model because you have to fit that too. So you're also buying more samples. Uh, You are going to have to really do some twisting of arms at factories because a lot of factories are afraid of trying new things. And it's going to take you a while to get the right thing if they don't normally make plus size clothes. At ModCloth, because that was such a big part of our business, I was really trying to bring in as many vendors as possible to do it. And it was very, very hard. It was often like we had the intention and the infrastructure in terms of design and tech to make everything in plus size, but finding the vendor to make them was often the stopping point for us. We just couldn't get it. What was the difference? I mean, it's riskier to them. They just don't want to try anything mm-hmm. new. I mean, it, that's okay. just what it is. Like, you you know, also, the other thing to think about, I mean, and this is something you can relate to as a buyer, the more sizes you buy, the more units yeah. you need to buy. And suddenly, if you work in a business where you only buy 300 units per style, which is more common than you would think, suddenly having to have you know, 15 sizes instead of eight, that is, it gets harder to even have enough inventory by size. It's kind of like a weird vicious cycle where you're like, you can't afford to, you can't afford it to buy that many units in the big sizes. So then they don't, that you only sell a few units and most of your units are in the smaller sizes. So then you just keep buying smaller. And you're the only one buying the large units. So you have to hit the minimum. So it's not like, right, right. yeah, I, I can imagine right. I can imagine that this makes sense. So it's really hard. Like I would talk to brands because there are, I mean, I'm not going to lie. There are a lot of brands up there who only go up to a size eight or a 10 and you're like, Hey, can we do 12 and 14 even like, come on. And they'll be like, Mm -hmm. sure, but you need to buy 200 units of each. And you're like, but I was only going to buy a hundred units in the first place. So yeah, it's, it's really, really hard. And it doesn't seem like there should be a minimum for something that's not new, but there just always is. So those are the two reasons primarily. I think yeah. that everyone needs to get over it and take the risk and they will reap the rewards. I mean, I remember, you know, when we were kind of growing up, we there was like Lane Bryant and Coles. Like it was always like just really bad plus size fashion. It is. And and a lot of those places have closed. Mm-hmm. The parent company of Ann Taylor, you know, declared bankruptcy and is closing a bunch of stores, but they owned several plus size fashion chains like one was called Mm -hmm. Catherine and I think they owned Lane Bryant too and they're closing so two less places to shop when there already was a pretty limited assortment like not all those women are going to want to go to Torrid no right exactly so it's really bad so I'm excited about these brands that are doing this and somehow taking the financial risks another issue out there in the fashion landscape for larger people is activewear. Like it's yeah. most activewear brands to stop at like an extra large, you know, they're like, ah, I don't know. You know, once again, that uh-huh. activewear is really expensive to make. I don't know if that's like, like, it's only, it's only for really skinny fit people. I know. Like, it, no, it's not. Right. right. <laughs> so it's really hard to find activewear for larger sizes, unless you want some, like, I think you could get it at Target, but your options are going to be pretty limited. And mm-hmm. even these brands that do offer larger sizes tend to just only photograph them on the tiny model anyway. Mm-hmm. So Girlfriend Collective offers everything up to size 6XL. They use recycled plastic for a lot of the garments, which I'm not going to go into it, but that's not always yeah. the best thing ecologically. 
uh, actually might not be that good at all. But I like that they're trying. But what I really love about this brand is they use models of all sizes, whether they have stretch marks, whatever their skin color is, whatever their body type. It does not appear that they do any retouching at all. And I love that. Also, all of my friends talk about this brand all the time. Yeah, it is. It is the number. It's one of the brands that that you bring up when you're when you're like working on some like a development of other brands because it has such a huge community following. Mm-hmm. There's no one else really doing it. They were hitting like the ethical thing as well as like the um, the size inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's all really cute. And it's not like too showy, you know. No, it's literally just gym clothes, but it's available to everyone yeah i actually i have some i got some right during like the right when the pandemic hit and i was like i'm gonna need some bike shorts everything is sold out right now and people are losing their mind yeah exactly people are losing their mind because that's kind of what people are wearing right now it's just like stretchy pants and you know yeah yeah so another concern uh for women of all sizes are bras Mm -hmm. buying a bra is the worst and there's a new brand out here i assume it's pronounced cup Cup. yeah it's a cup but it has two u's so you could maybe say it coop coop uh it's a really great mm-hmm. bra brand. I'm going to tell you, I haven't bought one, but I have a bunch of I, friends who I have, have them. I actually have oh, three yeah. of them. Wow. I mean, so you love it, I right? love it. And I love it because it's not frilly, and but it's mm-hmm. still sexy. And it's just, it's comfortable, wearable. Like it, it hits all of the marks. And I really like supporting them as a brand as well. Me too. And you know what? It's really hard to find bras that are unlined mm-hmm. and unpadded. In yeah. 2020, and they are like, no, we don't do lining and padding, yeah. and I appreciate that. So they make bras from sizes A to H, which is a lot more of a range than you're going to see in most retailers. Like most places are going to go to a double D, maybe a triple D if you're like at, uh, like I don't know, I think they might have that at Target. I hit I hit up a, up to an E, and it's really hard to find a cool a a, a good bra. Oh my god, mm-hmm. I bet, yeah. I bet. So. I mean, there's still room to go there because their largest band size is only a 38, Mm -hmm. which doesn't seem that big to me. But I'm not like an expert on bras. You know, I know it is not depending on that big. It really is not that big. But it's a start to have to find cute bras above a D is like a a miracle Mm -hmm. in ever. Oh, yeah. Like for the whole cup size. Yeah. So I will say, in this situation, I understand what's happening there because intimates come with, like, huge minimums. We're talking 10,000 units per bra. Mm -hmm. And they're definitely, if they want to open up additional sizes, probably going to have to tack on another 10,000. So I think they probably don't have the cash flow yet to get there, but I know they're working on it. I mean, they Uh, sell out pretty pretty regularly. So I think there's there's definitely a demand there. They just Yeah, I think they're going to get there. I think they're going to get there. Uh, They also use models of all body types and ages, which I think is really important. Yeah, yeah. We need more of those. I mean, most of the time, like, even when it's a site that's like, oh, we use models of all sizes, they're all 25 Mm -hmm. or under, right, age-wise. So I I like that. And uh, like I said, everybody I know who's bought something from them is so happy with what they got. And it makes sense because they spent two years working on their fit. They threw out the standard bra specs 
and they just started over by making it better and true to size. They also do, and I don't know how this works. Someone should try it. They do free video bra fittings, <laughs> which getting fitted for a bra is like a nightmare to me. I, yeah. Have you, have you had, have you done it with like an old lady? Oh my God. Uh-huh. Okay. So <laughs> I've probably had it done three times uh-huh. in my life and every size I was given was like completely different than the Absolutely one before. Me too. Like they just, I don't know what's going on oh, there. Absolutely. Like one woman measured me for a bra when I had a puffer on. What? Wait, over your puffer? Yeah, I remember Stop I was in it. Chicago. It was really cold. I was wearing like a huge puffer and she was like, okay, like you're a- Red up. flag 101. You're like a 38 triple D. <laughs> and I was like, I don't th- I don't think that's true because the bra I'm wearing right now is like a 34C. Are you, sh- are you sure? She's like, yeah, you've been wearing the same, the wrong bra your whole life. Oh, and I was God. like- Okay, so I go in the <laughs> I went in the fitting room with these like thirty-eight triple D bras, drooping like, off of your body. It was like, yeah, I could have put like my wallet in there, like my phone. It was so ridiculous, <laughs> and I just like put them back and like ran yeah. out. I was like, I don't want to deal with this woman. No, no, because she knows <laughs> that she thinks that she's right. <laughs> I know. I was like, I'm wearing a really bulky coat. And she's like, oh, it's not a problem. It's like, okay. <laughs> so anyway, I'm sure these are, these bra fittings are a lot better. Don't worry. <laughs> and that's all I have about women's bodies, normalizing women's bodies as normal. <laughs> normalizing women's bodies. Yeah, they are. They're super normal. Yeah, but nobody really believes that, do they? No. So I'll move on to normalizing some of the men's conditions. <laughs> their, condi- their conditions. Conditiones. So pretty much every man I know has pretty much has walked on the street recently and has been called a fag or gay. Oh, yeah. My, or oh, yeah. My that, husband. Oh, yeah. Me. Like, what, yeah. what does he get called? Because he's got long hair. Yeah. He's been called fag his entire life. I mean, the, yeah. like, the that culture of men leaning out their car windows <laughs> and screaming some derogatory piece of shit at a guy no matter uh-huh. what he looks like is like it's constant it's always and i and and i hear about this toxic masculinity and it's just so disgusting and it it just breeds this impotent culture and just miserable people and mental health issues with men a culture in which men feel emasculated by wearing a mask yes toxic masculinity is fueling the spread of coronavirus wow where it's oh right because it's emasculating because it means that you're not like strong enough to yeah and so you know i mean men are dying of coronavirus at a much larger rate than women and i mean there's a lot of reasons why i'm sure but like that's not helping no isn't that crazy can you imagine that is crazy oh i hate it i hate it i know there are a few brands that are taking on this challenge to expedite the normalization of various men's taboo issues that can be considered negatively emasculating like certain health issues as well as different grooming options um in the world of men's grooming you know people like jaden smith are influencing the paradigm. You know, the notions of gender fluidity and disregard of gender norms is actually starting to take root and spread. Uh, We're even seeing teen boys getting perms, which is fascinating (laughs) to me. And it's trending like crazy on the TikTok community. And this is to emulate (laughs) Timothy Chalamet, which is, you know, where you have it like really tight um, around the sides and then this like curly 
mop on the top. And there's all these TikTok videos of these of guys going to get the perms and then the before and after. And they're like shaking their heads. Teen boys getting perms. Like perms have not been popular since <laughs> since like the the 80s, essentially. Yeah. I think that's so amazing. You know, I have a friend. I'm not going to say his name. Okay. Okay. His dad is a um, conductor, like a classical music conductor and a college professor. Oh, I was, gonna, I was thinking like a train oh, no, conductor. No, no. Yeah, like a music conductor <laughs> at a small co- at okay. a small college in Illinois, and he perms his hair and has his entire life. Oh. And when my friend finally had to admit it to me, he was like, "This, you can't tell anyone else. It's so embarrassing." <laughs> He's like, "My dad's my dad." makes my mom perm his hair every month and has for like 20 years. Is that crazy? Wow. I don't know how he has any hair left. I'm shocked. I mean, it's always shocking to hear when people get a perm. Yeah, because I do think it's like you were saying, perms had their day and they've been kind of in a dry spell for a while. Like remember all the home perms? I don't even think you can buy a home perm now. I don't think you can't. I mean, it's it is very toxic. Oh. I mean, this I used to get a perm when in the eighties. Oh, me too. Me too. Oh, I think we we all did. I I I bet that perms because of this little mini trend. Because what's going to happen is all the boys are going to have the perms like Timothy Chalamet, and then girls are probably going to start kind of oh, trying don't, to emulate the boys. Don't do it. It's so bad I, for your hair. But hopefully, then maybe there'll be some sort of someone will step in and disrupt the situation and create something that, that might be a, a slight, slightly better. I actually, Amanda, there's, there are a couple of really cool TikTok beauty, beauty uh, ladies that are doing like amazing how-to videos on doing like seventies style hair, including like these, you know, like those like um, home um, rollers uh-huh. And you put them in and you, you sleep on them and you, you undo them. You get this beautiful like 70s. Oh, my God. I, I have to send them to you. They're really, really cool. <laughs> um, anyway, so Hypebeast wrote an article recently um, in 2020 for most in the know individuals from the world of hip hop, fashion, skateboarding and more. The idea of men wearing nail polish or participating in other forms of grooming has been completely normalized. Um, for sure. I mean, for sure. Yeah. Even though they may not partake and polish themselves, they won't bat an eyelash at someone who does. These are early adopters, the open-minded thinkers and stewards of street culture who are responsible for taking a trend and gradually shifting it towards full mainstream acceptance. And, you know, obviously in the 90s, you know, and 80s, it was like a counterculture trend. Like it was like Nirvana, Mm -hmm. you know, um, punk rock to have that. But, you know, things are kind of evolving and it's less about counterculture this is like mainstream this is you know this is like Jaden smith mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. so that quote from hype piece was pulled from an article on a new men's cosmetic brand called the faculty uh, and they're approaching their model like a sneaker or streetwear company does with hype and drops of a single product which is you know a style that their fashion forward target market is super familiar and comfortable with so the faculty website says the debate has begun in thought pieces and tweets, magazine cover shoots, and daytime talk shows. People are asking, what exactly does it mean to be a man? For those who would wear, who would openly answer, I don't know, nothing, anything, everything. For those willing to step out of the narrow band in which we've been forced to exist, to define yourself exactly what it means to, to be you. 
Through our portfolio of modern grooming products, we champion the new wave of masculine. So their first drop is the single color of this pine green nail polish or nail liqueur. Um, and I think it dropped in like in summer. So, you know, if, if a man is wearing that green nail polish and you're in the know, like, you know that this is like a branded color. Um, yeah. I mean, it sounds like a good color. It's a great color. And their website, dude, their website is amazing. They have partnered with a branding agency to execute it. It They have really great quotes on it that really resonate, even from like Dennis Rodman. I mean, you remember oh, Dennis Oh my Rodman. God, the OG of men in the makeup. OG. And it was I'll be the judge of my own manliness, which is the manliest thing you can possibly say, you know, (laughs) you know, so that, you know, there's a lot of excitement kind of going on around that. And that is a new concept to angle a product, a men's grooming product line that goes outside the boundaries of normal concepts and really hyper branding it and directing it towards this, this like streetwear culture that really is like the definitive Mm -hmm. of where style and trends, you know, kind of start rolling out. A few other brands that are embarking on the long tabooed conversation to normalize men's makeup, where subtlety is key, especially among many heterosexual men where maintaining masculinity is of societal importance. So around the end of, uh, the t- of 2018, luxury brands like Chanel, Tom Ford, Marc Jacobs, they all announced the launch of their men's makeup lines. And we started to see more and more men on the red carpet flaunting makeup. Chanel launched their men's makeup line in 2018 called Boy de Chanel. And they just announced they're actually expanding it. They announced just recently, which means that it's wow. doing so well that, that they're expanding it. If you look at these makeup lines, it really is kind of about the subtlety, you know, and it's about imperfections, mm-hmm. things like that. There are a few more mm-hmm. accessible brands whose mission it is to reduce the stigma and offer makeup solutions to men. Most are actually European brands, which isn't super surprising, but they are available in the States. There is this brand called Muck, and it's a British brand, and they have like beard products for men who experience kind of beard thinning like so they have like a beard mascara and different filters or fillers they even have a shadow palette so you can create that fuller look of your beard but you know do it in a way that's not you know not noticeable they also offer guy liners and mascaras they even have man lipstick. And from the website, it says the world's first men's lipstick in a simple and stylish design to keep your masculinity firmly intact. Each of its 12 colors have been carefully formulated to give natural enhancements to your lips by adding a gentle fusion of color and comfort. I have noticed uh, on one website, I, have, I do not remember what, which one it was. They had one of those apps where it pops up and it says, you know, so-and-so from, you know, London just purchased this. And these profiles have a picture of the guy. And most wow. of them are like aging homosexual men. <laughs> so, you know, you really like that particular <laughs> brand, you really understand who their core market is. But I think, you know, like the uh-huh. the, uh, the opportunity is there for um, heterosexuals also to kind of get into things you know, and, you know, boost their self-confidence. You know, if you have, a, if you have a thinning beard or if you have a blemish and you want it disguised or you just really like, you know, eyelashes, I think you should, you have the right to do whatever the hell you want. And there are a bunch of unisex lines yeah. out there. You know, we did talk about fluid 
that really amazing gender fluid makeup line on one of our episodes that I still love. But there's a lot of unisex lines that blur those gender barriers, you know, Milk Makeup and MAC kind of do that as well. Would Dustin ever wear men's makeup? <laughs> I don't, I mean, I, I'm going to tell you that uh, he's been, he's considering getting um, some dye for his beard to cover the gray, but it that even hasn't happened yet. So Interesting. I don't know if he'd wear makeup. Yeah. <laughs> I think he, when he was young, he painted his nails though. I have definitely dated guys. Oh yeah. That have, I can name names. Oh, lots and <laughs> lots of um, eyeliner, guy liner. Oh, totally. Like smudgy, oh I, I love a good smudgy guy liner. Um, no, <laughs> there's no problem with a guy liner. I, <laughs> Very accepting over here. <laughs> you know, in, in terms of medical health, men are starting to embrace self-care, especially now during this pandemic, and wellness more and more. So with the shifting telehealth laws and increasing number of brand name med- medications going off patent, a few DTC brands have been able to offer self-care and prescription product at a fraction of the cost from previous methods and right from the privacy of your own home. And I personally taking taking part of that um, myself in like different dermatologists and things like that. Um, there is a brand though that is really specifically geared towards men. Uh, it's called Hims, and it's a health and wellness brand that is also working to normalize masculine self-care. Um, only mm-hmm. one in 10 guys feel comfortable talking about their looks and health with their doctor. So Hims makes it more easy, comfortable, affordable, and accessible to get treatments for things that affect self-esteem and mental health. So hair loss, erectile dysfunction, and adult acne are all things that you can get treated online from the comfort of your own home, literally fraction of the price of going to see your own uh, personal care doctor or having to go to like a dermatologist, which is, you know, like a million dollars. So inevitably, this makes it a safe place for men to start being able to open up about subject matters more easily that are emasculating to them and are a taboo subject. They also offer mental health help and treatment, including access to prescription antidepressants, and they offer online therapy and even free group therapy counseling sessions. Wow. Beyond that, I know it's so amazing. Beyond that, they've extended their services to offer primary care. You know, if you have allergies, if you have like regular flu and anything, you know, they have telehealth for everything. You can even get a COVID test for $150. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It is amazing. And you know, it is, they have been just consistently growing and growing, you know, I think opening up that capability of the telehealth and the access to drugs, you know, much more Mm -hmm. democratically and easily is just completely life-changing to our society. And it It will just affect people's just uh, quality of life drastically. If you have insurance right now or you have the means that getting mental health care and just regular health care via telemedicine is easier than ever. I feel like so many people I know are doing online therapy right now because they have the time and they're like my mental health is suffering you know yeah and there is some good news also it's hymns and hers hymns is the men's website and they have it like separate and then there's a ladies website too so you know they offer very similar similar things over there at the hers website so dustin uses hymns really Uh, he does yeah yeah 
Uh, I think the name is hilarious, though. It Hymns. is. Hymns and Hers. In the early days of Hymns, mm-hmm. <laughs> they would do, like, I guess it's not exactly commercials, but you know when on NPR they'll, they'll like, have a sponsor? Yeah. And it would be like, we're sponsored by Hymns. And I would laugh every time because it sounded like bad grammar. Yeah. It's, it's such a strange brand name choice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I want to hear the origin story. Hymns and hers. Yeah, I'd be I'd be so so curious to hear that. There were some other startups that had come right around that same time. Basically, it was like okay, all these great things just like happened, and then the DTC, like the startups, just like hit it. Like they were ready for it. They knew it was happening, and they knew that this this opportunity was there. And Hymns was the one that offered everything in, from dermatology, like acne and hair loss and um, sexual health. A lot of the other ones just focused on one. So this one kind of like took over for, for all of them, you know, and really like ran with it. Well, they were really smart because they picked things that men would be embarrassed yeah. to talk to a doctor about yeah. or to anyone. And they made it a lot more private. Exactly. I think that's great. And it seems, I mean, just from observing Dustin using it, it seems pretty legit he definitely gets a lot of regular conversation with the doctor who prescribes his medication. So it's not like they're just like, here, take this. Yeah. And I feel right. like it's really great because he takes it for hair. It's a very holistic approach. Mm-hmm. So there's medication, there's topical stuff, there's like shampoo, like it's the whole rigmarole. Do they talk anything about like diet or stress? Yes. Yeah. They do. A, it's it's really nice i think That's like awesome. i was i was impressed <laughs> yeah. i've been impressed by it and it seems to be effective that's wonderful yeah okay. yeah i have barely had health insurance you know and even now i have health insurance but it doesn't like cover like a lot <laughs> of stuff you know yeah yeah so having accessible and affordable things that you don't have to leave your home for because leaving your home like the cost of and time of going somewhere oh, is yeah it's expensive so this is yeah it's just a fantastic service. Yeah, I love it. I think that we're going to see a lot more innovation with this. I mean, now it's like everything. You can do it in your home. It comes to your home. Why do we go anywhere? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is definitely going to be life-changing, this this, this whole this yeah, whole year. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think that it's normalized things like getting all your stuff delivered to your house, for one. I feel like there used to be sort of a stigma. Like, if you got your groceries delivered, you were kind of spoiled and lazy. I know. I always I always got – because I don't have a car, I got my stuff delivered. Mm-hmm. And I, I would, like, see neighbors look at me and, and, like, just, like, staring at this, like, whole situation of, like, stuff getting stuff delivered. And I'm like, I – I know I'm a princess. I know I just I'm like, I'm like, but I don't I don't pay for car insurance or like I'm like I, right I right. But now now people are like, oh shit! Like this is so convenient. Like there's another hour I don't have to spend. If you can afford to get groceries delivered, why wouldn't you? Right? right. Or you know, telemedicine like we talked about sounded so weird, and like now it's just the norm. You know, yeah. cooking for yourself constantly. Yeah. Yeah, like looking up recipes and buying cookbooks. Crossing the street when someone's walking down it. Oh my god, I don't even think about it yeah, anymore. Just cross the street. I just do it, and it's and it's not yeah. a slight. It's like it's a good thing. I mean, I would do it in in, in reality, like before the, the pandemic, but but now you know it's it's totally acceptable. A guy <laughs> did yell at me and was like, "I don't have anything." Yeah, no, like people are. People are going to take take some 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 offense to it. Yeah, it's just so funny. Like the masks and everything too. Like it seems so strange at first. Now it's like second nature. Like, are we going to do this for a long time? Are we always going to cross the street now when we see someone coming? I mean, I kind of was doing that before too. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I'm, I'm a massive introvert, you know, I'm just. Yeah. I mean, this is like an introvert paradise because I'm the kind of, I can't even handle going to the grocery store and having someone bring out my groceries. It's too stressful for me. Like I can only go if there's a U scan and mm. I can do it myself. So like the less contact I can have with strangers, the better. <laughs> So I like that it's like it's no longer weird to get your groceries and your cat food and your medicine and everything else delivered to your house. Well, uh, I guess that's all we have to talk about today. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Department, our special two-part series on normalizing trends. Mm -hmm. We'll have more information about everything we talked about on our website at thedepartment.world. And you can find us on Instagram at underscore the underscore department. Yeah. And, ma- and do make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts as well as leave us a little review, a little rating. And if you don't, Kim is going to be mad at you. We will <laughs> repost it on stories if you do leave one. Yeah. That's your big moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but please give us ratings and reviews. It really helps us get to more listeners. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.